And thank you for joining me tonight. Well, and let's yeah, jump let's into this thing. Let's <laughs> jump into it, and I might get spoiled and want you up here more often with me. Well, tonight I've taught, just entitled my message, Put Me in the Game, Coach, and um, we're going to be talking about suffering tonight. Mm -hmm. And it's not a subject that would sell a lot of books. It's not a subject that uh, probably a lot of people would turn to, but during this time, when there are so many people suffering, especially around the world and right here in our own community, I thought it would be good uh, that we talk about this very plainly. I think a lot of us use that word, suffering, I'm suffering, yeah. he's suffering, but we really don't understand what no. suffering is. You and I have been places in the world where we've seen suffering, and people right now mm -hmm. that are going through this, this virus um, they're getting a different perspective on suffering. Suffering is much more than just being uncomfortable. Oh, we have seen things that I sometimes don't even like to remember that we've seen. I think one of the worst things that I ever saw was when I was in India and I was outside one of those temples to those gods, Kali, mm -hmm. and right across the street was a, a large building and children were chained like dogs around the collar, uh, with dog collars around them. And they were there for the perversions of people that would come and pay for that. And then later to go... It's a good thing I'm not God. Oh, <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. Because I was emailed a friend of mine this week who just posted something with so much grief on his Facebook mm -hmm. post. And um, I emailed him and... And I told him, I said, there are things that should make us angry, so angry that we don't sin, but that we rise up and do something about it. It should move us to action. It should always move us to action. And that's part of the, what this passage is about. And when I say, you know, I decided, I think the Holy Spirit decided. And I'm not trying to be super spiritual when I say that. The Holy Spirit did decide because we started this series on First Peter months ago, and we're just now getting to the end of chapter 4, and it just so happens that in the middle of this COVID crisis, on a day when we lost someone that we love very much, mm -hmm. we come to this selection of Scripture. But before we read the Scripture, I, I'd like to set the tone maybe a little differently. I know you love college football. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know you love because college Because it keeps you all occupied, and I can go do something in the Is kitchen that why? or paint. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't realize you loved it because you got me aside for hours a while. Hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there was a game in 1982 that those of you who are, you are a fan of college football, you know all about the California-Stanford game. And at the end of the game, it, Stanford was down by 17 to 19, and John Elway rallied the team. It looked like the game was over, but he rallied the team. They got down the field with four seconds on the clock, excuse me, four plays and eight seconds to go. They kicked a field goal. And I'm just kind of tracking along to be sure I get all my stats right here. And everybody got excited. The fans began to storm the field because Stanford had won the game 20 to 19. I mean, this is big, and you can watch this on YouTube. It's very, very exciting. Stanford had won the game, so with four seconds to go, California picks up Stanford's kickball. They had to kick the ball because there were still four seconds on the clock. Now, listen to this. When the first runner was about to be tackled and to go down, he chunked the ball. He didn't pitch it. He didn't 
pass it. He chunked the ball to another player. He ran down the field until he had a line of linebackers. He chunked the ball again just about 10 yards away from the field goal. And another player grabbed the ball, ran through the fans that had already stormed the field, and Stanford won the football game. Now, I might enjoy a game like that. Well, we'll go home and watch it on YouTube tonight before we go to bed. It's an unbelievable play. It's an unbelievable game. And that's kind of where I'm grabbing my title from tonight, is put me in the game, Coach, because, you know, it may look like you're down. It may look like you're out. And for this family today that I've been able to pray with and talk with, you know, they're the ones that are hurting. They're the ones that are suffering. Mm -hmm. But their father is in heaven, and he's rejoicing. I am so confident of his faith in Christ and his trust in Christ. They're the ones that are suffering. He's the one that's rejoicing tonight, and it is well. It is well with him. So would you like to read the Scripture sure. tonight? Okay, this is from 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 12, if you want to follow along with us. And if you've got your phone, you can go to our Woodland Church app and download the notes and follow along with us tonight. I think I'll do that. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it's revealed to all the world. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murdering, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's Amen. household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible, fate. <laughs> what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. And trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Amen. Let's say that together. He, he will, will never, never fail, fail you. you. Preaching with an iPad is a little bit different, isn't it? Well, let's pray, and then we're going to jump right into this. Father, in the name of Jesus, our Lord, your Son, we ask you tonight, um, give us understanding and insight into these verses Give us understanding and insight with how we can live, Lord, during times of suffering, how we can be a comfort to others that are suffering, but Lord, also how we can be prepared for times when we might suffer in an even greater measure. As Becky said tonight, none of us suffer the way other people have suffered in the world for their faith. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, amen, amen. You know, suffering, sweetheart, the Bible describes true sufferings as, as a fiery ordeal. I mean, it's a real trial. And when you read this passage of Scripture, and Peter is telling us things like rejoice and be glad. Um, I think I know you well enough, and you know me well enough. I don't get real happy when I suffer. No. <laughs> Those aren't the emotions that immediately come to the surface. Happiness, joy, yeah. rejoicing. 
when I'm overseas on a missions trip, I miss so many of the comforts of living in America. Well, that's not suffering, just missing a I know hot it. cup of coffee when you want it. <laughs> that's a suffering thing for me. I miss good coffee when I can't get it or my bed or something of that nature, but we're always ready to go. But Peter talks about trials that are fiery and they're suffering uh, and are suffering, and he uses a word, the Greek word is purifies us. And I remember hearing David Wilkerson when we were younger. David Wilkerson was preaching, and he told the story of the silversmith. Do you remember this story? Mm -hmm. And how the silversmith would sit at, at, at a fire with silver, and it was mixed with other ore. And he would heat that silver and keep skimming off the dross until finally he could see his face. And once he could see his face in the silver, he knew that the impurities, the, were, the gone. impurities were gone, that the, that the fire had purified and had separated the dross from the silver. And, of course, David Wilkerson then applied that, that God allows us to go through trials to purify us until finally he can see his image in our, in our lives. But here's what I have learned over the years doing some of my own research on that and especially living here in Michigan where we have steel plants and they smelt and they, they fire up and heat steel and heat the iron ore. You know, fire separates the impure from the pure. And that's what sufferings do in our life is it begins to separate those things that are impure from the holiness, the pureness that God is trying to bring forth in our life. You can't refine metal without fire. You can't separate the dross. You can't separate the, the sludge. You can't separate it without fire. And there are huge blast furnaces here in Detroit. There are huge blast furnaces in Michigan. And we've unfortunately, I've unfortunately had to preach the funeral of people who've been killed at these places, uh, dying, you know, producing this kind of stuff. And it's, it's just amazing to learn about the kind of dangers that they're exposed to every day working around that. And so when we suffer, we're, God is purifying us in such a way that we, we begin to see who we really trust in. We begin to see what we really trust in when we suffer in our lives. So sometimes suffering shows me the inadequacy of things that I have trusted in. Have you ever had a time where you've suffered or maybe we've been through something that's shown you the oh, inadequacy? Oh, come to the surface that I thought, where in the world did that come from? And that's from? a good way of saying it. <laughs> it came to the surface. That's what the impurities do. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. It, at times that you think, I would never do that or I would never react like that. Yeah. Um, then you get in one of those right. difficult situations. Right. And you realize what's really in your heart that maybe you didn't even think was there. Yeah. And I think that that's what God allows in our lives when we come to suffering. People have said to me, well, it's good to trust in God. But once you say you trust in God, once you decide to commit your life to Christ, once you make up your mind, as we say here at Woodland, to become a passionate follower of Christ, then there are going to come choices in your life. You're going to come to a fork in the road. And you may, as a disciple of Christ, have to make a choice at that fork in the road. 
because to follow what you want to do may not be what God wants you to do. Uh, you're going to come to some career choices in your life that you're going to have to decide, will this further my desire to be a passionate follower of Christ, or if I accept this career advancement, am I going to have to compromise? Will it move me closer or yeah. further away from what God's plan is? I think one of the things that I have loved about living in a community as long as we've lived here, it's seeing how people have had to make godly choices. I mean, we have had people in our fellowship and people that I know in our community that they have had to be honest, and at times it's cost them for being honest. They could have been dishonest, but they were honest because that's what a Christian does. And that's what a passionate follower of Jesus does. You know, sometimes suffering reveals to you where your allegiance truly lies. It's been interesting to me to see through this period of time when people are isolated what they have fallen on. Yeah. What they're, I mean, you <clears throat> see, you you see things on Facebook, you know, I've been drunk for three days now, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, really? That's what you're going to lean on in the middle of something as, as rough as this and seeing what people turn to in a moment of crisis. Yeah. Well, losing a loved one today, mm -hmm. it's revealing where your allegiance lies. If you have someone that's sick in the hospital right now, your faith is being tested because at this moment in life, you're going to find out, am I following Jesus because I love Jesus or am I, do I have religion? Yeah. Because religion is about God being your servant. Christianity is about your being a servant of God. And that's the difference. And that's what Peter is driving at here to a church that is suffering for their faith. And I believe that during this crisis right now, we're truly going to find out where a lot of people's allegiances really lie. I remember years ago, we listened to a, a man who was speaking on a Christian television show we were watching, and he just simply said, God is not my co-pilot, God is my pilot. Yeah. And we had the privilege of meeting the author of the book, God is my co-pilot, and he meant that in a very positive, faith-filled, uplifting way. But when I heard that man speak, it made an impression upon my life. Mm -hmm. God is the one in control, and I'm not in control. The second thing that I, I see that happens is that fire also does away with what's unimportant in my life, okay? And right now, I'm discovering some things that aren't as important as I thought they were. This week while we've been home, I took time to go through that box of tax returns from 2008. Yeah. And... And I just sat there by the fire and burned them. And we talked about this. <laughs> you know, I was, I was like, do you know how many hours is put into that envelope right there that I'm just burning up? And in a few minutes, there's nothing but ash. There's right. not what I think is important is not really that important and is gone in a moment. And that's what the Scripture is getting at here is he tells us to rejoice and nobody wants to suffer because the fire is consuming what's impure in our lives. Mm -hmm. Not that the tax returns were impure, <laughs> but that's a great illustration. It reduces the unimportant to ash. One time God said, and I think this is key because I've had some people say, uh, even as, as, as late as yesterday or as early as yesterday, you know, what's the use in serving God? What's the use in praying? What's the use in 
and, and the sacrifices we've made, if, if God allows these things to come into our life. Well, friend, there was a time where the prophet uh, Jeremiah had to speak to this. And Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 27, listen, to an image carved from a piece of wood, they say, you are my father. Now, you could make that your career, you could make that your marriage, your family, money, whatever. Something you've created. Yeah, something that you're relying on rather than God. To an image carved from a piece of wood, they say, you are my father. To an idol chiseled from a block of stone, they say, you are my mother. They turn their backs on me, on God, but in times of trouble, they cry out to me, come and save us. But why not call on these gods you have made? When trouble comes, let them save you if you can. For you have as many gods as there are towns in Judah. And what God is saying is these idols that we have in our life, and maybe they're not a stone idol, maybe they're not like the Temple of Calais that I saw with those, those images of the God that is served by so many people there. But it's whatever idols we've created, maybe it's fame, maybe it's success, maybe it's money, all of that has to bow before Christ and God has to come first in our life. And so I think one of the things that I would suggest to people is at times there's going to be a choice between God and pleasure. At times there's going to be a choice between God and profit. At times there's going to be a choice between God and your material success. At times between God and physical comfort. And at times, and as someone that identifies very strongly with the Pentecostal charismatic movement, sometimes it has meant I've had to identify with God despite what some people have thought about that intellectually. I sat with a psychiatrist one time, and you and I were, I wasn't being treated, but I <laughs> sat with a psychiatrist one time, and he said, how can you believe that when you're praying in this unknown tongue that that is, that is intellectually responsible? And I said, because the Bible says that the person that prays in an unknown tongue is not talking to men and women, he's talking to God. And I said, I don't expect to understand it, but I know God understands it. And he says, how do you know that? Because God's word has never failed. Now, I don't come into a service like this and just start, you know, speaking in languages that somebody don't understand. I, I don't think that's the proper use of that. But in my prayer life, I have found during this COVID crisis, oh, sweetheart, I have relied so much upon the gift of being able to pray in the, the Spirit. The Scripture says when we don't know how to pray, yeah. when we don't have the words, that's when the Holy Spirit steps in and can pray through us. And I think our creativity is enhanced. Mm -hmm. I think our ability to identify with other people is enhanced. And I'm not talking about praying in the Spirit. I'm talking about trusting in God. I probably need to make that clear. It's not that praying in the Spirit makes me more creative. But trusting in God enhances my creativity. Trusting in God enhances my ability to be compassionate and to identify with other people. So as I get older, I am not worried about my life becoming meaningless. I'm not worried about our marriage becoming dead and stale. I'm not worried about my ministry becoming weak or powerless. Because of my faith is in God, as my days are, so, are my strength, so is my strength going. The Word of God will never fail us Amen. if we're 50 or if we're 100. 
You know what I'm dying to say right now, don't you? Come on, Come on Victory. Victory. <laughs> I really, I just sense that and I feel that. And I hope at home tonight as you're watching that you sense that. But now, let me tell you this. The question is, how do you know when you're suffering for doing the right thing? Because mm -hmm. that's what Peter is getting at. Summertime in Michigan is not a good barometer for me if I'm suffering. I love summertime in Michigan. By the way, if you're listening from somewhere else in the country, in the world, summertime in Michigan is heaven. But it's snowing today. Yeah, it's snowing. Coming here tonight, I can't believe it. Now, a good barometer of my faith is in January and February where we have 30 straight days of gray, cold, snowy weather. That's when a lot of faith has to kick in. <laughs> <laughs> there are times when I say, Lord, can't we serve you somewhere warmer? <laughs> I think I asked you one time, doesn't God have churches in Hawaii? <laughs> it makes me think of Justin going, oh, Honolulu, I want to go there. <laughs> well, we have seen people who have suffered, but church history is full of examples of people who have suffered. Yeah. And I think you have a little story <laughs> about that. that we were in, this is a little embarrassing for me, by the way. We were in Florence, Italy, and we were looking at the different sites, and Dennis found a marker in the pavers, and he was like... We were looking for this marker because yeah. I knew all about this. Man. Well, I was looking for gelato. You were looking for the marker. Um, was, was it Saranova? Savonrola. Savonrola. And Dennis was like, this is it. This is the spot. This is where he was martyred. He was like, take my picture. He was take, burned to death there. Take my picture. And he's standing there by the marker, and he's grinning this grin. And I just had to stop and say, why are you smiling? The man was burned to death right here. I was smiling because <laughs> we found it. <laughs> that made you very happy, and I'm very glad. But and I was very sad, still very sad to hear what happened. But when, when you see something like that, yeah. that puts suffering on a whole other level oh. than just being uncomfortable in Michigan in the winter. And I think we forget sometimes how people suffered for their faith in this mm -hmm. thing we call Christianity. Yeah. You know, if you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, I would suggest to you that you read Fox's Book of Martyrs because it's just so filled with inspiring stories. In 1555, 400 years before I was born, 1555, Hugh Latimer and his friend, uh, Nicholas Ridley, were burned to death because of their faith in God. And that day, Hugh turned to Ridley, and this is what he said, Be of good cheer, Master Ridley, and play the man for today. By God's grace, we will light a candle in England that will never be put out. And while they were being consumed in flames, they prayed out loud and they glorified God so that their voices would be heard above those who were persecuting them and putting them to death. What we enjoy today, just being able to do this, to be on live streaming, yeah. they could have never done. Oh, and no. there are still people now around the world that they can't openly talk about their faith. They can't openly talk about Christ like we do. Yeah. They can't um, meet like we do. Mm -hmm. It has to be in secret. And their faith is strong. When we became parents, you remember, I thought you were going to be Miss Tenderleaf. Yes. And it turned out you were Sarge and I was Tenderleaf. That's because I had four kids <laughs> all at one time and <laughs> somebody had to keep order. 
We were just really, you know, I was really concerned that you, and I remember telling you, you have to put the fear of Rebecca <laughs> into these boys so they don't run all over you. I remember when you went to a conference and came home and said, we're going to homeschool. <laughs> and I was like, define we. <laughs> I knew what that meant. <laughs> but here are some things that parenting taught me. And maybe this will help you understand suffering. If you're not a parent, you know, you probably won't be able to relate to this as much. I'm, I know I couldn't until we became parents, mm -hmm. you know, even though we had been youth pastors and pastors, I could not relate to this, to what I'm going to tell you now. But when we became parents, we had to teach our children how to delay gratification. Mm -hmm. They had to wait on some things, and sometimes they thought we were being cruel for that. We had to sometimes, you know, correct our children and discipline our children, put them in timeout or say to them, you know, you're going to be on restriction, and we were the cruelest parents. Oh, you're so mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you, were you ever told that? You oh, were mean. yes. You know, it's refining. It's, it's discipline. And the Bible tells us that God disciplines us. Mm -hmm. And the Bible tells us that God is doing this to mature us. I heard something, or excuse me, I read something and, uh, not long ago, and I shared this with a friend of mine today who call me to pray with me. And I'm so thankful for people who call and pray. And he's actually not a part of Woodland, but um, we were talking about his children. And I said to him something I read that I wish I had read when we were parents. He said, you're going to spend a lot more time with your children as adults than you will as mm -hmm. children. But once Well, that's why you discipline when they're little, so yeah. you'll like them when they're grown <laughs> up. <laughs> so they'll live till they're grown up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Becky and I always knew we were raising adults. Yeah. We always prayed, God, unwrap them to us. We always prayed, Lord, show us what you want these children to be so we can raise them up and train them in the way that you want them to go. Well, friends, God is doing the same thing in our life. So let's kind of just wrap this up, Becky. You know, I, sh I showed you some things today that mm -hmm. just really stood out to me in the scripture. But if you're going to come out of your suffering, and if you're going to come through this time stronger, your faith increased, better and not bitter, if you're going to come out of this more tenderhearted and compassionate and loving, I mean, these are all adjectives that I'm taking right from the book of First Peter. First thing you have to be is don't be surprised. Yeah. Don't be surprised. When the fiery trial comes, don't be surprised. It doesn't mean that you don't cry or weep. I weep sometimes. And that's, that is an element of suffering. Yeah. There is grief that goes along with it. I'm not a public weeper. I try not to be because, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I don't want that to ever be misinterpreted. But I have found myself unexplainably weeping during this time. Not for us, but because we're coming through this time, but just weeping because of all the suffering. Look at me. Grief will never destroy you. That's right. But when you're surprised, it will. I tell my staff all the time, <clears throat> I said, listen, I don't want to be surprised. I'm not talking about Christmas or birthdays. <laughs> but, you know, I would rather deal with a problem right up front. Let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. Let's be up front. But don't surprise me. Don't wait until something has to be shared. So when you think about responding to grief, think about the refiner mm -hmm. until he could see his face 
Jesus wants to see his image in us. Think about your role as a parent. Think about, and the spring is here, and you're going to start pruning and gardening. You know, think about those things. Think about a coach with an athlete. You know, that coach doesn't baby that athlete. You know, he <laughs> says, get out there, play the game. When our boys played soccer, they would come running to you when they got hurt because you would <laughs> hug them, you would kiss them. I'd smack them on the bottom and say, get back out there, be a man, you know. So, you know, think about a coach. The second thing is obey, mm-hmm. obey, obey God's word. Suffering is never a one-moment thing. Mm-hmm. It's a process of time. We right. talked about the silversmith working. He does that over and over oh and yeah. over until yeah. everything that needs to be removed is gone. And we look at something, and it, if it lasts for a moment, we <coughs> think we've suffered. Right. But it's not. It's a process. And through those tears and through that, every time going back and leaning back on God. Yeah. You were there. So I know you remember this, but when I was recovering from one of the surgeries after I came back from Asia, mm-hmm. I had a, a wound, a dirty wound that was the size of a dollar bill. I mean, if you could just think of the size of a dollar in my belly. And Dr. Terigula came in that day, and when he removed the bandages, he f- hollered out for some help, and he reached down and he pulled my belly open with his bare hands. That was not fun. Oh. <laughs> I screamed. I'll never forget it. And I grabbed his hand, you know, yeah. I gra- and he looked at me, he says, let go of my hand. I have to do this. What he was doing, there was a mass. My skin was turning green. There was this, gr- I don't mean to be gross, but there was this massive infection that had set up and he started digging that out with his hands and cleansing. That's one of the reasons I'm sitting here today. Yeah. And so I am so glad that he obeyed a law of good health and a law of good medicine. I'm so glad that I suffered through that time because we're sitting here tonight sharing together. So don't be surprised. Jesus wept. Jesus sweated like blood. I mean, he literally, the capillaries in his veins were were breaking as his grief. Grief won't kill you, but surprise will. And obey, but also Trust yourself to God. I'm going to read this scripture for you. So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right. Trust your lives to God who created you. Not like the idol that I created, but the God who created me. For he will never fail you. Come on, Victory. (laughs) I can't believe that there's joy in sharing this tonight, but it helps to process what we're going through. And I think it's good to to know that all of us go through different things at different times. Yeah. We encourage each other. Yeah. We strengthen each other. When you're weak, you stand together. Mm-hmm. And when you need somebody to be tough in your life, like Dr. Terigula was, yeah. that God has those people that are there for you. We might not like them at the moment. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, he became a good friend. Yes, he did. But do you remember there was a nurse who came to see us? And she says, listen, he is not the kindest man. <laughs> he is not the most. And he was. He was very kind. We became friends. As a matter of fact, we would swap jokes back and forth over the years. But she said he is an excellent doctor. Yeah. You know, Jesus is our friend. 
But the fact that he lets you go through suffering doesn't mean that he stopped caring. He is just a great physician of our soul. And I think when you're in a situation like that, you don't want somebody that's going to just treat you kindly. Yeah. You want somebody who knows what to do and is not afraid to do it. And sometimes yeah. God puts us in those situations where he's the one that knows what to do, and he's the one that's willing to yeah. do it because yeah. it's not my will. <laughs> Thy will be done. Amen. The prayer that never fails. The prayer that never fails. Well, let's wrap this up. Here's our growth work tonight. Number one, don't let suffering keep you out of the game. Don't let suffering keep you from being a passionate follower of Christ. Get in the game. Say to the coach, say to Jesus tonight, put me in the game. I'm going to be honest with you, and, and I hope you don't mind this sort of transparency. I'm hurting tonight, not in our families such, but for all of the people and the grief and the things, it it's hurts. It's very real. It's very real to us. But I found myself getting up this morning, about 4 o'clock this morning, I was up and I was praying, Lord, I want to stay in the game. I want to stay in the game because there were times it was like, why? But put me in the game. Becky, would you read this verse from Second Peter chapter 1? So don't lose a minute in building up what you've been given. Complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder. You know, we met Mark Batterson a couple of years ago, yeah. and he said something in one of his talks that uh, at his church that there in Washington, he said that irrelevance is, re is irreverence. And you know, I never want to be irrelevant. I want to be relevant. Mm -hmm. God's word is always relevant. And never before has First Peter been so relevant to me than this time that we're going through right now. Yeah. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We're in this world, so we need to be relevant. Secondly, don't drop the ball. Just don't drop the ball. That ball game only had four seconds left on the clock. And thankfully, those California players still had the good sense. It wasn't pretty. Watch YouTube. It wasn't pretty. They just chucked the ball and kept going. And right now, I mean, I can tell you, uh, if I was to compare what we're doing here with some of the mega churches and their television ministries and their lines, we're chunking the ball. We're chunking the ball. Hey, but we're moving it down the field. We're moving it down the field, baby. And I, excuse me, we're moving it down the field and we're going to score. We're going to win this game because greater is he that is within us than he that's in the world. And then finally, what I learned from watching that, and it just fits and it fits the scripture. Don't give up. Never, never give up. It ain't over till it's over. And if you feel like you've dropped the ball, get up and pick it up and do it again. Let's play this game all the way to the end. Well, anything else you'd like to add or share tonight? I would just say that um, you, won't, you don't think words like joy and happiness and no. rejoicing should even be relevant in a moment like this. But they are, and no. they're what keep us going. Um, they're what keeps us moving, mm -hmm. what keeps us responding to people. And I know I talked with a, um, a nurse today, and she said she and her husband are working 70 and 80 hours. Mm -hmm. 
And she said, I don't feel like sometimes I come home and I have anything else left to give. And then I get up the next day and I can't wait to get yeah. back to give again. So God will refresh us. God will renew us. Yeah. God will restore us when we are walking in obedience. I love what Pastor Mark put on the church sign yesterday. <clears throat> One screen comes up. It says, our first responders have our prayers. Our healthcare workers have our prayers. Our essential workers, like those working at grocery stores mm -hmm. and other places, they have our prayers. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Mark putting that up on the marquee because we are praying. And I encourage you tonight to pray for those who are working and serving in so many ways. But, you know, we have missionaries tonight yeah. that need our prayers as well. And so I'd like to encourage you this evening to remember your tithes and remember your offerings. You can go online or you can text to give at 77977. Text the word Woodland Church. One word, no dots, no dashes. No spaces. <laughs> Woodland Church. And remember, uh, to, if you can, give an extra special gift. If you, you know, whether it's a dollar, five dollars, or maybe you can give five thousand mm -hmm. dollars. You know, help us as we continue to reach out and serve our community and to love others especially our missionaries that need our help right now and our benevolence ministries as well. Yeah. I was able to say to certain leaders in our community yesterday, we will respond, we will yeah. serve with meals, food, whatever assistance we can provide because of the faithfulness of God's people here. Uh, the church has not been blessed with a, an abundance. We've not, you know, but we believe that through the faithfulness of yeah. God's people, there will be a steady source that we can be a house of bread as well as a house of prayer. So I encourage you to, to give. And I think it's probably the most I've said about giving during this whole time. But I'm your pastor, and I want you to listen to me. Please hear what I'm going to say right this. I want you to do well, but the safest way to handle your finances is to put God first with your tithes and your offerings. That's the safest way to handle your finances. And then if God has blessed you, to where you can give out of abundance, then help us out tonight, especially during this time. You've asked God before, how can He use, God, how can you use me? God, why have you blessed me like this? If you have an abundance, this is the time to be able to share liberally. Paul says to Timothy, he says, you know, charge those who are rich in this world. You know, I'm asking you tonight to be faithful to the Lord and help us as we continue to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray together. Father, thank you again for the word of the Lord. You strengthen us. You increase our faith. And I know that perhaps there are people suffering tonight and they're hurting that have listened or maybe they will listen to this at a later time. And I ask you to help them to put their faith in you, to trust you. Lord, when we say to rejoice, we're not saying not weep. God, there is weeping that comes. But I rejoice because I know you're going to bring something good out of this. In the church, in our world, in the community, and in my life personally as well. Secondly, Lord, help us to always walk in obedience. It's one thing to say we obey. Help us to live a life, as Peter said in this epistle, that we obey, Lord. And then finally, God, would you put us in the game? Use us, use this church in a supernatural way for your glory and for your honor, I ask. Amen, amen, and amen. amen. 
We love you. Thank you so much. And thank you for helping me tonight. It's been fun. fun. We're going to do this more often. God bless.